Did D. Schneider figure out how to create peace in the Middle East? Find out now. Cue the intro. Welcome to The Real Deal, where we get real about what it takes to succeed. Whether it's wealth, health, relationships, or finding your purpose, we talk to the masters to uncover the secrets to defying the odds and creating your own rock star legacy. I'm Doug, and after working on multiple Grammy-winning records as an author, transformational speaker, and your personal translightenment coach, I'm committed to your growth and success. And now, here's the real deal. All right, well, amazing guest, dear friend, opportunity to share some incredible stuff. But first... Today's episode of The Real Deal On is brought to you by Guided Hypnotic Meditation. If you're feeling stressed out, full of anxiety, perhaps experiencing day terrors or worse, night terrors, download your free Guided Hypnotic Meditation at guidedhypnotic.com. That's my, uh, I sponsor myself. So. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I was impressed. All right. So. Huge, huge opportunity. I first must preface of all the, the years that we worked in recovery, one of the best personal, personal development movies out there is We Are Twisted Fucking Sister. I just have to put that out there. It is one of the most impressive personal development proof of what it takes to succeed when you've got the odds stacked against. I want to thank you like, for doing it and sharing that because well, it – that was a game changer. And thank you. And I, you know, first of all, I was really glad the story was, was, was presented in a documentary. So because people, people, majority of people, except those in the Northeast had no idea of the struggle of the 10 years the band went through, uh, that it pre-existed Motley Crue and Rat and Poison mm-hmm. by, by almost a decade. It, it was crazy. Um, but also that it is motivating. And that's what I hear from people more than anything. I get so much respect from it. People say, look, I'm not a Twisted fan, but I saw your documentary and I've had so much respect for you guys. And then as people said, I am a Twisted fan, but I've just, it's just taken me to another level because I didn't know what, how hard you guys fought for what you got. You earned every single thing you, you achieved. So, um, I'm really happy that story came out and that people are, uh, are people are watching it and seeing it. It's cool. Thank you for that. Uh, dude, it, it, I was blown away. And whenever I like, even if I feel like I've, I've got odds stacked against me, I either think about it or I go watch it again. Cause I'm like, Oh man, I got to own, I'm Doug fucking McGurk. Like that, just that shirt was like, <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, so, and, and then, so you have, one of the things, the purpose of this experience, and thank you so much for sharing your most valuable asset, your, your time here, is overcoming obstacles. And that is proof positive of you've done it. And you continued to do it because you've continued to have challenges as all humans. The, you know, the industry has changed. The, you, know, you went from you know, changing actual kind of avenues, getting into voiceovers, acting, writing movies. How, how do you keep that energy up? And like, what is it inside you that keeps the fire burning? This is going to sound very facetious, but it is not. 
it is uh, it is fear, honestly. Um, I had a very very and, and you know Doug because we met uh, at one of the at, at close to the low point of my life. Uh, meeting you was low point, right? <laughs> no, but, <laughs> Thank you but, for being honest. <laughs> I was, actually, that was it was even worse. And in my book, uh, shut up and give me the mic. I talk about it that I fell from grace. Um, the music scene changed. The band broke up. Uh, I had no record deal. I had, I spent all the money, and I wasn't drunk. I don't do drugs. I don't do. I don't drink. I don't blame anybody for for the money being spent. I was just a rock star, and my ego wouldn't accept that the whole thing had ended. And I, and, I, and I wouldn't change my lifestyle, and I burned through any money I made, and I lost everything. I had a year in the early 90s where I, on my income tax, it said zero, zero income. Wow. Uh, I was deeply in debt. Um, and climbing out of that hole, and people say, well, you know, how did you do it? How did you do it? I say it was 10% inspiration and 90% desperation. I, had, I woke up one day. I had been informed. I got the memo. We're not doing what you do anymore musically. That was the grunge memo. It says, uh, yeah, we're not singing like you, performing like you, writing like you, or looking like you anymore. Uh, thank you for your service. Uh, like, what? <laughs> and I had no exit strategy, and I was married. I had three kids. So I started scrambling and, um, and, and you know, trying to find other avenues, other ways to make money. And, uh, you know, some of the earliest ones, you met me around job two. I, before that, I had, I had been answering phones in an office at a desk, and people would walk in and see me. This is, 19, this is 1993, I'd say. Three, yeah. And they'd see me and go, hey, aren't you Dean Snyder? And I would lie and say I wasn't, and they would believe I wasn't because what would Dean Snyder be doing sitting in this office answering phones. Yeah, I hear that a lot. It's my doppelganger. Yeah, if only. You know, <laughs> if all, so I was able to, at that time to, you know, to use the fact that people just couldn't possibly accept that this guy that it seemed like only yesterday they saw on MTV was yep. now working in an office. So I, I you know, but slowly I, I started to get out of there. But now I have this inherent fear, like, like a shark. If I stop moving, I will die. So it's, it's not like it's not haunting. I don't need guidedhypnotics.com, no panic attacks. But it, it, just, it just is in there that I never want to go through that soul-crushing, life-affirming, and, uh, and, and, and just terrifying uh, moment in my life again. So I'm always creating new projects and new things to hopefully generate more money, even though I'm comfortable and I could stop. I can stop, but I just mentally can't stop. Well, right. And what, so when you had that, that shift, how did you start getting into like voiceovers and stuff like that? Was that a passion you always had doing radio or was that a, a byproduct of you taking action and looking for things to do? Certainly, this was going to come up sooner or later because you know that uh, I'm a fan of Tony Robbins, and um, and Tony was uh, a game changer for me. And this was around '91 that I discovered Tony. So I hadn't hit rock bottom yet. We had moved to Florida, sold our house, but I still um, wait a minute. No, Desperado was over. Uh, Widowmaker. I don't know. I still had just sort of. I had some money left. I still felt like I'm going to pull out of this. I'm going to pull out of this. You know, yeah. I'm going to salvage this. And '91, 
is still Guns N' Roses without 91. So yeah. it had, grunge hadn't really said Taken no. Over yeah. 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 So I still, I, I still was convincing myself that I, I could fix this. I could fix this. You know? <laughs> but in the process of trying to fix it, I, I, I stumbled on Tony's, uh, you know, tapes back then it was tapes and book. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, and I, I was at like an 80% level as far as performance feeling like, you know, it was just about 20% what just didn't feel right. And, and he filled in those, that 20%. And one of the great lessons I learned from him and one I try to pass on to so many people, it, well, well I'll, the setup is this. People, he said, people say they never get opportunities. Oh, I never get the chance. I never have opportunities. Opportunities come to all of us every day. Chances come to all of us every day. We're given choices every single day, but most mm -hmm. of us ignore them, don't see them, or, say, or, or turn away from them. And from that lesson, I learned to just say yes. Prior to that lesson, I was very hung up on making sure that I was always ready. I had to be rehearsed. I had to be, I couldn't embarrass myself or look bad in the situation. Um, and I taught myself to just say yes and then figure it out later. Mm. And this isn't a fake it till you make it situation. This is figure it out. So, you know, so at that point when someone said to me, hey, you got a great voice, you could do voiceover, I never even thought about it. I said, okay, and I hit the, and I, I figured it out, you know, and I hit the ground and started going to auditions and, and booking, and I've been doing voiceover now for decades. Um, radio was something I wanted to get into, but that required starting on a little local metal show. You don't just mm -hmm. walk into a six-figure job, but I've been doing it for 30 years now, and I am a six-figure voiceover. Uh, um, radio. Your house of hair is still rocking. So, 22 years, 200. I just got more new stations. I, it's just crazy. Um, but it's the music of a generation. And it also, the 80s has this sort of romanticized appeal to young people. It embodies this, I call it the middle finger factor. Right. You know, there's a lot of, you know, F you. We're going to have fun, you know. And, uh, and, and people, and it was colorful and bright and crazy. And I think younger people look at it as some sort of, uh, Oh, and amazing time, and it was an amazing time. So, uh, but it's not, but it's I don't live back there. So right. I just, I mean, one of the greatest um, just say yes moments for me was uh, I went to see the premiere of Rock of Ages on Broadway, and um, at, and the producer, one of the producers came up and said, "Hey, what would you think about being in the show?" And I said, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> now I never, I, I'd acted, I'd never been uh, in, in done theatrical work other than a high school play or something right you know and i really didn't know what i was doing two years later i'm on safari with my family and a satellite phone rings it's my manager i'm like oh come on phil <laughs> it was like this was like my wife's dream to have the family on safari two weeks we're in the freaking jungle and he's calling he goes you're in and i said i'm in what she was rock of ages my wife so looking at my face, said she thought somebody died. But that was my jaw dropped, and I said, "Next word I said was when." Now she's sure somebody died. Right. <laughs> I turned white when, and she said, "Who died?" I said, "Nobody." I'm in Rock of Ages, and she's like, "When?" I said, "We get home in a week." The next day, I go into rehearsals. Two weeks after that, I'm on. I'm on stage. I'm getting chills right now, remembering the moment. And, and just like my brain frying, but hey, you know, if I didn't say yes two years earlier, yeah. and 
And, and as a result, I rose, I rose to the occasion, and it was one of the greatest experiences of my life to do three months on a Broadway stage and be in that environment and, and, and face that challenge eight shows a week. Wow. Know, for, for 12 weeks. Uh, it was, it was, it was, a, and it, you know, again, people say yes, figure it out later. Well, uh, first of all, I just want to say you're also one of the most underrated performers uh, as a singer perform. Like, I don't think people understand until they see you the, the stamina you have, the ability to um, take an audience. So what a, like to another level energetically, like talk about Tony Robbins, you're, you're, you know, you have that same level of intensity to, to enroll people. So what a gift everyone had for eight nights a week to uh, see, or eight nights a week, eight times a week uh, to see you um, with that level of consistency, which is. Uh, well, and amazing. by the way, if you want, if you haven't seen it and you're interested, I have a new album coming out. It's a live DVD, Blu-ray and uh, CD for the love of metal live. And, um, I really like it because it does capture not just my performing, but is a lot of the interstitial. I, I talk to you. I'm a frontman, yeah, and um, and that's something that people don't really understand the the delineations. There are singers, there are entertainers, and there are frontmen. And singers, you know, people like Ronnie Dio, uh, for example, who really just get out there, stand Paul Rogers, and they stand out there and they sing, and they don't need anything else or they just don't do anything else, and you're perfectly happy to just, back in the day, to see Dio just, you know, piercing chain of mail. Right. Uh, this guy four feet tall, and his voice, <laughs> it was just incredible. Yeah. And then there's entertainers. Um, uh, uh, Michael Jackson's entertainer, Alice Cooper's entertainer. They put on a show, but they don't really engage the audience. Right. They don't even talk to the audience. Like, Thank you. You know, and, and Alice doesn't say a word to the audience, but he's entertaining. Right. Front men they sing, they dance, and they engage. And, you know, frontman, uh, David Lee Roth in his prime was a great frontman. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden is a great frontman. Freddie Mercury was a great frontman. And that's, it's a lost art, really, because one of the, you know, the people say, how do you get your chops together by doing bar shows for years and years and years and refining my stage banter, patter, you know, and how to work the crowd. So on the new For the Love of Metal Live, uh, it is pretty well documented. Uh, well, so uh, you should check it out. And it's a good time for a live album since there's no live concerts. This is true. And it is heavy. Holy crap. It is amazing. Yeah, the new band has is, is breathed new life into me. Uh, and that's the thing, too, you know, again, in the Just Say Yes um, uh, heading, you know, Jamie Josta, on a podcast, which I'll be doing tomorrow, uh, challenged me to do a true metal record, something I wanted to do, but I just didn't, didn't see the path. So mm. sometimes the message here is you have to accept guidance, you know, and, and when just saying yes to Broadway, you know, I, didn't, I rose to the occasion with the, with the kindness of strangers. There was a director, there was a choreographer, there was, and I paid attention. Mm. So I, I didn't go in there like a bull in a china shop and go, yeah, I got this. Yeah, right. you know, I, thought it through. I thought it through. I'm ready to do it. It really was an education. And I went in with all ears. And, and, and for the love of metal with Jamie Josta and all the great performers who I work with uh, from other bands, um, I even at, you know, at the ripe old age of 62 or 3 at the time, I just was, you know, listen to these kids. They're kids to me. 
and yeah. because you know they're going to teach you something. So always, you know, always be learning, you know, and always be open. You totally rose to the challenge, brother. I mean, and you. you still, your voice is, do you still warm up regularly? Like, how do you keep your, your voice in shape? I'm, I'm, I'm very bad uh, with okay. that. Uh, <laughs> I'm very bad. You're supposed to keep singing. And, you know, like I haven't, I haven't done anything now and wow, since August. So we're approaching a year since I sang anything. So I'm sure... When it, when it comes time to go do something again, I'm going to have to do a little warming up. Because <laughs> well, no, you should be. It's a muscle yep. and a little atrophy, and it's really true. So um, I don't know. I'll probably – what will happen is when I know that there's a gig coming, like in a month. Yeah, your muscles will remember. Then, yeah. then I'll start going, going to the vocal gym again and, like, warming up. But right now – well, I remember when we were doing Widowmaker, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think I knew that you also went to Don Lawrence. So I hear you coming down and you're like, Undi Felice. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what is really interesting about that? I did a, uh, you mentioned this before, I did a, a, a show on Broadway called Rocktopia. And Rocktopia was a uh, classic, classic meets rock mashup with orchestra rock band, uh, Broadway singers, opera singers, and they had a rotating rock singer. Um, the guy from Train, Robin Zander, me, I was the best. And um, so, uh, so two things in there. One was um, that you talked about the fact that I'm underrated as a vocalist. Um, so in the show, I had to sing Stairway to Heaven. I had to sing Cashmere wow. and Dream On. <laughs> so my first song, my first song was, um, was Stairway to Heaven. And they introduced me, and I walk out on stage, and, and the theaters, they sold out shows all the time, the whole run, and we actually took it on the road a little bit, too. And um, I step up to the mic, and, it's, and I start singing. There's a lady who's sure. And all this, like, plant, fine, soft voice. You could hear the audience gasp, audibly yeah. gasp. And because they thought I was going to go, there's a lady who's like, they thought I was going to come out like Jerry Lewis or something, you know? And after the show, every show, people, I didn't know you could sing. And I'm like, what do you think I've been doing? Well, yeah, but that was, you know, you, this is, you know, they didn't know. I, and, and so there was, and then I'm not got to this because, so during my warmups, um, the opera singers would hear me warming up and undo that, you know, all the, all the, yeah. uh, Lawrence uses a lot of, of Italian. Yep. And they came in, they said, you could sing, you could sing opera. And I said, I don't know, I can sing opera. They said, I, we hear you through the walls. You should be singing the opera. So they wound up changing the show. And it was a great moment where we had this mashup of cashmere and, uh, Conte Patiro, Conte Patiro, and the opera singers are singing Conte Patiro, and then I cut in with Cashmere, and we go back and forth, back and forth to like a battle, and all of a sudden I cut in, and everybody would expect me to start singing Cashmere, and I start singing Conte Patiro in full, full operatic voice, dude, every wow. show, the entire audience, again, uh, on their feet, they're, I'm getting chills because they would <laughs> jump to their feet, going, what the you know, I don't know if you curse on this show. <laughs> go for it. Well, what the F is, you know, because Dee Snyder is now singing opera with opera singers, and we finished with a, <laughs> at the end. Place would go nuts. Again, though, the expectations are so low. I can't help anything is better than what they thought. But uh, I, I really, people, 
it's one of my biggest frustrations about Twisted Sister, and this is just, you know, and this is about life is like this, and this applies to everything, is, is people want to define you by something. And they assume that if you choose something that's considered, I don't want to say lowbrow, but simpler or easier or different, that you're, that's what you're doing. You're pedaling as fast as you can. You know, right. D. Snyder sings, you know, with that risky voice because that's all he can do. No, it's what I chose to do. And, you know, Eddie Ojeda is an amazing guitar player. JJ is an accomplished blues guitar player. And AJ Pirro was in a swing at 10, got me rest in peace, toured the world. Little, little Anthony Pirro in a swing band. Uh, I see him in front of the Eiffel Tower with a huge orchestra at 10. He was trained by Gene Krupa. The wow. guy could play, oh the guy played anything, but he chose to play boom, bah, boom, bah, because we loved rock and roll you know yep. so it's frustrating when people want to limit you by your past performances well and not only by performances uh you're also an accomplished songwriter uh that are outside of your genre yeah yeah that's uh, yeah, uh well yeah accomplished yeah but we know that uh, a little known fact that I, I wrote a song which you were around for when it was yep. recorded uh so my wife asked me to write her a Christmas song, and I wrote her one for as a Christmas gift. And years later, Celine Dion recorded it on her These Are Special Times album, which I don't know if you know, is the biggest selling holiday record of all time. 14 million copies. Um, so it's called The Magic of Christmas. And uh, yeah, and so, you know, so that was unexpected as well. And right now, I'm, uh, I've got a uh, kids animated uh, TV show in, in development, and uh, that I'm writing the music for that, you know, and, and I just took a straight ahead ACDC approach to the music, but, you know, changing the, and the melodies, but changing the words to work for kids, you know, so little kids. So, um, yeah, I, again, people are often surprised by when they discover the different things that I do. Well, I can't thank you enough for continuing to doing it because I think by doing so, you're proving what's possible. Uh, because so many times I think we're, especially now, I'm, I'm sure you're seeing how everyone is being boxed into things. And a lot of preconceived notions are being made because of these boxes. And the fact that you continue to break through those boxes and reinvent yourself and proving what's possible is tremendous and necessary. Uh, Thank you. Thanks for appreciating that. And, and, and also um, is a time where, People are finding the same thing that I ran into in the 90s is they're not doing what you're doing anymore. We're in a really dark time where people's, the jobs, situations are changing and your jobs are, are being, you're losing those jobs and you're going to find out that some people, when we come out of this thing, are going to adjust their system. They go, you know what, we did some things because of the COVID thing, but that kind of worked. So why are we having this big office building when really everybody can just work from home just as easily? You know what I mean? For example, you know, and, and, you know, we did so, hey, we were able to get the job done with less employees. So let's do that. So people are in a position where they need to start looking around and say, what else can I do? What else am I capable of? And beyond dealing with a box that be, the outside put you in, we often put ourselves in one. We limit ourselves and we say, well, this is what I do, and we're afraid to take a chance and say and go out of that safe zone, or to say, you know, people do not limit yourself, you know, people, you know, um, 
you're really capable, everybody is capable of a lot more than they realize. And using like, like our brains, we use what X percentage of our brains. I right. think we, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a people, we use such a limited part of our actual abilities uh, and the things that we're capable of, and you should not limit yourself. Totally. And so what do you see as the future? Like, have you ever had that moment where you felt beaten? Because I, I know you didn't get a whole lot into you. Like, you, you kind of make fun of me when I, I emailed you one time and I said, oh, your progress, not perfection. And you were like, are you using that on me? I'm the master of PMA. Like, <laughs> but <laughs> so when did, do you ever have those moments of like, holy crap, what am I going to do? And how do you move past it if you feel like you've boxed yourself or been boxed? Well, I'm uh, sorry about that. I should get signed out of my internet, my uh, AOL, my uh, AOL. But I'm using AOL, but, it, but it's ironically. I'm AOL ironically. Like, yeah, AOL. I'm wearing a Von Dutch hat. You're okay. <laughs> um, so um, so uh, anyway, how do you, you know, uh, I can't, A, having some a support system. You know, in my situation, when I fell, I, you know, and this was the, when I woke up in the early 90s and it was, I was just, you know, I was out flyering cars at one point, I remember, to make some money. Uh, flyering cars and running. I was being chased by security at this place. I was flying cars at a, uh, at a catering hall uh, for a wedding uh, thing they were doing. And I was running from the security and it wasn't because... I was afraid to go to secure, go to you know uh, catering hall jail. I was I just didn't want them to see me and recognize me in mm. the parking lot flying cars. Um, but you know I, I fell and I was pretty I was pretty pretty immobilized. And Suzette, a having three kids looking at me with those big beautiful eyes, and uh, and daddy, you know, and that kind of that, the pressure of that responsibility, that's motivating. Uh, but also having a wife, Suzette, you know, 44 years we've been together. And she's the only person who never, ever, ever once said to me, maybe you should do something else or maybe you should give up. And um, that is really a valuable thing, especially when your career choice is one where you get a lot of rejection and, uh, you know, and, and maybe you're, 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 you're faced yourself with saying, well, maybe it's time to pack it in or how long, much longer am I going to do it? And to have someone who's cheering you on. And when I, when I fell in the early 90s, she was my support system. And uh, she, you know, she cheered me on and picked me up and, and dusted me off. And I got back out there. So really, you know, I can't take credit for myself. I was, you know, thank you, Suzette. Thanks to my kids. Uh, and you know, one thing I will say is that, you know, I just – it was one of those points where it was like, okay, your choices are this or figure it out. And this was not an, never an option to me, not with, with those kids who right. neither had, you know? And, and so you just, and, and it was humbling, but a humbling is a good thing. A good humbling it really is, is, is a healthy thing for everybody. Brings you down to earth and gives you perspective. Again, that perspective on what's important, what's real, what matters. And, um, you know, and, and that's really what, you know, uh, it just, that was, a, from that point on, I've never, it's funny though. 
I, I, I react very differently. I had a, I had a, I had a period, and this was, and I've thought, think about it in retrospect. I had a, um, a $200,000 a year morning radio show, and I had a $200,000 a year uh, contract with MSNBC uh, to do the voice uh, for their, the voice their network. So that's, that was 400 grand a year of my income. And I lost both those gigs in, within two weeks. Wow. And I remember, I remember like going, okay, and just sort of like steaming on. You know, like I didn't even like allow it to like knock me over as it had once done because, what would, so okay, if I allowed that overwhelm to hit me again, what was it going to do? It changed zero. It changed nothing. I had to scramble and figure it out and, and, and keep going and keep making money and keep paying for my family and keep paying the bills. And I did. But uh, it was like, it was almost like years later when I thought back on it, I go, holy crap. I was like, what a, t- what a two gigs like that. And they were like, they were the bulk of my income. And then I said, well, now you got more time to do other things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, like, I appreciate that. It's like after you get into like a, you, a near miss in a car accident and then you're like, then, then it, 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 the hyperventilation, just like, like, holy crap, look what almost happened. Like you, you could have lost it, like lost your mind and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. dark again. And, and then you go, whoa, that was crazy. You're not right, but like, like, but, it, but it wakes you up. It's it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's life affirming, and uh, gets the heart going. And like, okay, I'm awake. You know, it's like you're, you're on high alert. So yeah, it's yeah. It's, but, it's, but it also it makes me think. And then again, this is why I, I you know love just the the movie you shared about how you push through the 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 challenge and the work that it takes to achieve the level of success that you did when you when you appreciate and go, Oh my gosh, like you needed to do the work. You need to be flexible. You, you know, so when you get humbled, when something like that happens, you go, well, wait a minute, I could do it again. Cause I did it once already. And you, you tap back into the, that mindset, that focus, that drive, that ability to break through whatever conversations. But if you never had that, you never did do the work when these things happen, you're like, fuck, what am I going to do? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, very, very true. So there's two things I want to tell you before I go. Um, one, and, and, and one, and this is, and I know what you're about. Um, there's, a, a, there's a director named Adam Green. Um, he's a horror director predominantly uh, known for the, uh, the blanking out on the name of the movies. Uh, but he does. But, he, but anyway, but we became, he's a fan and we became friends. But he tells a story, uh, and it's on his it's it's on his uh, as bonus on his DVDs. He's got a podcast. He's got a he's got a he's got a few different things going on. Adam Green, and of how he was struggling and had these dramatic, awful falls from uh, along his path, and coincidentally, he ran into me. He was a fan, whether it was at a show, outside a show, um, at a, a concert event where I was appearing, uh, at one of his critical moments in LA where it was giving up on, on, on his whole career. I turned out that I was signing copies of Strangeland across the street at the Virgin Video Store. Um, and he got online and he, and he at each time I, he spoke to me, and the truth is I don't remember, um, I don't even remember the events. Um, but 
I, I'm a cheerleader, and when he told me how bad things were for him and he was giving up hope, I grabbed him by the shoulder and I said, dude, you know, fuck that. Get back in there. Fight. I gave him the pep talk and sent him back out, and he went, yeah, <laughs> and he ran out. And eventually, he's had a, a very solid career. You know, he, he does a lot of indie filmmaking, but he's had a solid career doing that in television and writing. And he credits me with always being there to pick him up. And when we be, and we became friends, I uh, I was this did perform the ceremony at his wedding and what have you. Oh wow, nice! And uh, so and and we're very close, but we've explored it, and I realized that the time that he was running into me was at the low points in my career, and when I was telling him to get back in there and fight, I was reminding myself, mirroring, seeing what he was going through. And I was really just as much saying to him, you know, uh, that the points where he saw me signing autographs here, he saw me outside a show. It was a little club show with Widowmaker and nobody was there. He doesn't remember that. It was so, it was so ill attended, but he was such a fan. All he knew was that his hero was on stage and I spoke to him at the back door. I was driving the van. We were going to wow. the van. He, but he just thought I was a star, but uh, here I was telling this, giving this kid a pep talk, and it was a pep talk that I needed to keep reminding myself the yeah. same things I was message I was sending him not to give up, keep on fighting, stand up, believe, yeah, 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 all that reaffirming, reaffirmation. I was, it was, so it was interesting that he was helping me while I was helping him, and he didn't realize it. He actually wrote a screenplay called D and Me, but it's uh, he never never sold. So um, you gotta, you know, sometimes you gotta be your own cheerleader. Yeah, you know, 100%. you're not lucky enough to have one. Yeah, well, uh, ego's ego can be a wonderful thing, especially if it makes you get stand back up and keep going, moving forward. The last one I tell you guys is um, because I, I, something that, that I feel is really important. Suzanne and I we built a house on the beach in the Caribbean in Belize. And, um, it's, you know, of course, there's an economic element, but there's a lot of ways to skin a cat, you know. And the, the, the thing I want to say to people is many, many people, a lot of people talk about the one day. One day we're going to. One day I'm going to. And I don't know what the percentage is, but not a lot of them follow through. Because a lot of the things that we dream about doing one day, they're actually not easy things to achieve to build any kind of house. And you don't have to be a rich rock star to build a house on the beach. There are houses to be built, small places. This is at the point is, whether it's I'm gonna get in a van and a, a motorhome and drive around the country, very few people follow through. And Suzette and I would always talk about one day we're gonna build a house. And I realized we would get to that point in our life where it was like, are we gonna be one of those people who talked about it or one of those people who actually did it. Because it wasn't easy. It took years. And it was, a, it, was a, it was an undertaking. And that's one of the reasons why people kind of look at it when they get there and go, well, this is kind of insurmountable. Uh, you know, I, I think I may, may not wind up doing this. So don't be the 10% who actually do the things that they talk about one day doing. You know, it, it, it's, not, it's never easy, but... You know, do you really want to be one of those people who lives with that regret? And there's a lot of people who say, gee, I always wanted to. I never did. It's possible. Well, so, and that cuts back to your share earlier about saying yes. 
Yes. Say yes. You say, say yes. And, uh, and again, doing, uh, you know, now we're, you know, we, I sit there and now the day goes by and, and we're, I walk out and look at this ocean and I go, we did it. We're here. I can't play. I, and it's been years, five years now. And every day I just walk, I look out there and go, holy crap. Is that your home you know, now or are you Belizean? Well, not legally, but we split our time down here. We've been down here like since January now. But that's partially because of the, what's going on with COVID. Right. Um, but we usually, you know, we split time between here and the States. But uh, it's just been a dream come true. But nobody made the dream for us. We made it for we made ourselves. It. Yeah. You know, so, um, so, you know, and yes, and look, I apologize for the painting in the back. It's the guest room. My wife puts a native art in here. Look what's going on here. Uh, that's the Mayas. They carved that, but my wife painted it. It's free. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. So, and the roof is peach. It's not very metal, I know. <laughs> but, uh, but we've got a guest room, you know. No, it's not for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. Dude, I, I want to honor your time. Thank you so much. We love you and Suzette so much and the kids and everybody. And, and thank you for being, you know, I know you, we haven't been able to hang because every time I go to Vegas, you're like, I'm in Belize. I want to try, you know, love to, yeah, we, to we, get we've together. Been, we've been missing. We're, it's hard. And by the way, you're not doing one. We miss everybody. The, the rare time that we actually, like, we're in Vegas. We're in Vegas. Hey! You know, it's so rare that that actually happens. Yeah. Or, we're, you know, we're, we're where somebody else is. But uh, the day will come. Yeah, of course. Well, dude, thank you so much. Uh, so much love to you and Suzette. And, and thank you for being an inspiration to, to me. And, and, you know, like it's a, a whole other thing about people should know about your, and I think everyone does, your relationship with your family, with Suzette, and, and how incredible of a, a family man you are that is, you know, beyond. So thank you for being a model. For They are my salvation, man. They are my salvation. Yep. Period. Well, I love you for who you are and who you aren't. Go to dsnyder.com. Download yeah. the, the, the live for the love of metal. It is freaking heavy. Love it. Yeah. Pre-orders now. That record officially comes out. Record and, and DVD officially come out on the 31st, but doing pre-orders. And I got all those special, you know, packages and bonuses and things like that. But it's a, it's a very unique uh, live album as well. It's, um, it's, it's a it's not just one uh, one show it was filmed at like nine different shows all over the world and we cut from show to show day to night rain to sun uh south america to australia in one set, one line of a song whoa it moves, so you'll you it, it it goes and the the message was and we were able to do that because the drummer plays with click, by the way. You right. appreciate it, Doug. So yep. it allowed the timing to be good. But I wanted to show the universality of metal and the connection we all share through music. Where, you know, and you'll see audiences all over the world, and they're all sharing and responding to the moment in the same way. And, and, and I, you know... Um, God, I could talk to you forever, dude, and, and I'm sure you'd be glad to. Uh, there's a book called Heavy Metal Islam uh, that I read a few years ago, which oh. talked about while the Middle East is still fighting amongst themselves, through metal, the young people, the community is connected through all barriers. Wow. They're all connected. Uh, the, the, the answer is there through the commonality, the love of music, the uniform of metal, the everything. And... Um, 
and, and you know, so and that and that was a be- and that's a very interesting book. I was very proud when they went and talked to one guy. I think he was in Syria, a guitar player, and the, his screensaver was a picture of me. <laughs> there you go. And when they asked him about it, he said, "We all owe D. Snyder for his fight against censorship," and they, and I, it didn't even hit me that. I, we talk about censorship in a very mild way. They're dealing with censorship on a whole other freaking level. Being a metalhead over there is like is is like illegal, right? You know? So the point is just again back to for the love of metal live was to make that statement through showing flashing through all over the world in one song, and so it's a pretty interesting thing to watch. So check it I out. Love it. Yeah. No, I mean I I, I was listening to it before uh, getting getting into state before talking to you, and you know it's like Heidi, my wife, walked by and she's like, "Whoa, yeah, it's freaking heavy." I'm like I know. <laughs> yeah, they're heavy. And the DVD is, is uh, entertaining as hell. So anyway, great talking to you, Doug. Take care, As everybody. always, Don't love you, brother. Guidedhypnotic.com, everybody. That's right. <laughs> Get your meditation on. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you right, so much. Care. Love you, man. Peace. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for stopping by and hanging with us and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast right here and We look forward to serving you even more. Remember, download your free guided hypnotic meditation at guidedhypnotic.com. That's guidedhypnotic.com where you'll get your free anxiety-busting meditation. We look forward to serving you, and if you have any questions, comments, please feel free to reach out. All right, we love you for who you are and who you aren't. God bless.